Hello, everybody. This is episode 56 of Re-Educating Dad. It's the talk show that does what it says on the tin. So just think about a discussion round a family dinner table. And uh, the people involved might include an aged grandfather and father. Uh, that would be me. And uh, his daughter, um, a 30-something. That would be Tony. Little Tone, as you know her, and a grandson, that would be Ben, who is just about to go to university, having finished his A-levels today. Isn't that right, Ben? No, not today, um, maybe, just recently. Yeah, uh, Tuesday I finished them, Wednesday was my last day, so everything's done now. Do you feel you've got on all right? Yeah, yeah, they, they went, uh, they couldn't have gone better, to be honest, so... Oh, well, that's... That, you know, can't, you can't hear better than that. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, this uh, family discussion around the dinner table, which probably take, has taken place throughout millennial, millennia, um, discussing the important issues of our time, and that's what we do on this show. And so we talk about things from our different positions on the generational spectrum, because, you know, your views do tend to get influenced by your age and where you are in the scheme of things uh so uh, yeah so that's what we do so we say hello to little tone who's got some like exciting things going on in her life too she may or may not be in a position to share i don't know are you i'm not in a position to share right now okay unfortunately but i, but I know some exciting things career-wise are happening with you so maybe when you can tell us about them you will tell us about them so the topic for today uh, that we want to talk about uh, between us and see what our respective viewpoints are on it is the scandal involving our august media organization, the BBC, um, and uh, its reporter, uh, Martin Bashir, who is in disgrace. Uh, the reason that we, we found this an interesting topic to talk about from a gener cross-generational uh, point of view is that, uh, you know, I'm uh, obviously at my great age, um, actually this, when, when Princess Diana and Prince Charles got married, I think I'm right in saying it was about the time, I don't, not far off when I got married to Little Tone's mum, I think it, was, it might have even been the same year, 1977, I believe. Um, so, you know, their love story was, is, was very well known to me. Uh, if you can call it a love story, that's another story. <laughs> um, and, uh, but Little Tone has, has some connection with it too, because um, I remember when I was separating from um, Little Tone's mum, uh, that that was a, around the time uh, that uh, Princess Diana, Princess Diana, sadly, tragically, was killed um, in that uh, motor accident in Paris. And uh, we'll hear from Little Tone in a minute. We'll hear from her next, actually, um, yeah, about what she remembers about that. Um, because uh, I can remember, you know as a separated dad, one of the things that you have to do is to snatch bits of time with your children that you can. And, and I remember attending uh, 
um, the arrival of Princess Diana's coffin together with Littletone and her little sister Mindy in Kensington High Street, um, uh, right next to the Royal Garden Hotel, next to the Royal Kensington Gardens, which is where the entrance to the Kensington Palace is. And we, we were all together with crowds and crowds and crowds of people all waiting there for the arrival of the, uh, of the coffin on, I believe, I believe it was a gun carriage or something of that nature. What do you remember of that little tone? Oh, I feel like I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I just remember there being like hordes and hordes of crying people and the most amount of flowers that I've ever seen ever for a memorial. They were just six foot high against the, well, I mean, this is my memory. I was quite small at the time, but I remember them being piled up on top of each other up against the fence. Yeah. And I remember seeing the car with her coffin coming by. Um, and I just remember people crying everywhere and it just being a really like mournful time. It was a time in my, in my life um, when also in my business career where I got more emails than I've ever received uh, and they were all emails um, offering, well, actually outpourings of condolences as though she was a member of my family. Do you, do you know where they came from? Can you guess? America. America. I don't think I got one from the UK. But I, I, and I never really understood how um, invested the American people are in the royal family, or the, uh, particularly in the in the very beautiful um, uh, um, Princess Diana. Not only was she beautiful on the outside, but she was beautiful on the inside in many ways um, because she was the first, I think she was the first royal. I think Tony Blair uh, described her as the people's princess because she really connected with the people in a way that members of the royal family just generally don't. Um, and so, you know, I just remember that. And I can remember looking out of my office window and there was just a constant stream of people walking up from Gloucester Road tube station, carrying flowers to play, which is why there were the mountains of flowers, as you mentioned, little turn that were placed outside um, uh, Kensington palace. And in fact, I used to go in the Royal garden hotel to the rooftop uh, restaurant for business lunches. And at that time, I remember looking out of the window and just looking down at, a, as you say, a mountain of flowers. So that was the background to it. Of course, that was the end of her story. But, you know, she had a very, very, very sad and tragic marriage to um, Prince Charles, who was always in love with someone else. And that, of course, comes out of that interview. And in fact, when Ben and I were waiting for you, little tone, what was it you said, Ben? You remembered a line from that, or you not remembered, obviously didn't remember, but you were, what, when you were doing your research, it struck you a particular thing that she said. What was that? Um, it was it was along the lines of this that there was three of us in the marriage, and it was a, and it was a bit crowded, mm. is what she said. Mm. That was the sort of iconic line from the from the interview. But now we learn that Martin Bashir tricked her into having that interview. Do you remember? Do you know Ben? I know you've done. You're good at research. What what was that about? Um, so essentially. Um, Bashir um, got a graphic designer to create fra um, fraudulent um, bank uh, statements to show to Diana's brother 
um, that was of um, money going between, I think, him and a member of Diana's staff or a member of uh, her brother's staff or something along that, which which really? used to gain a com- uh, gain confidence of Bashir so that he could do the interview. Yeah, yeah. So in fact, what he did was he made out to her that there were members, close members of her staff, courtiers, who were receiving payments, essentially, uh, to provide information to dish the dirt, you know, on her. To uh, I, b- I believe the you know secret service people. MI five. MI five. Correct. So, um, I mean, it was, I think it was a very, very serious deception. I think deception is actually too weak a word. I think it's fraud. Um, and I would, I would be surprised if Martin Bashir now, I know that the police said before when, you know, that they weren't going to charge him, but I would be surprised if charges didn't arise uh, now against him. But, um, you know, it did. I mean, it's just—it's just the whole thing is just very, very sad, and and uh, I think it's sad also for Charles. And I think we've discussed this in previous um, episodes about our attitude, or my attitude, which is unusual for my generation towards the royal family. I, I much prefer to get away from having a royal family, and to have an elected head of state. Not a popular view amongst my generation, but uh, to me, it makes a lot more sense than doing this to people and what i mean is even prince prince charles is a victim in all this because he was basically forced to someone forced to marry someone that he didn't in his heart really want to marry any thoughts from you little tone on this it's so hard not to feel influenced by uh the crown you know the the series i feel like it's it's um the kind of great you know the way they kind of portray the dynamics and it feels very real, doesn't it? I mean, like I remember all the mannerisms of Princess Diana and of Prince Charles when I mean, he's still alive, but they, they're so spot on. The people acting those um, positions are so spot on and the way you can almost understand how they ended up in that unhappy marriage because actually even forget that they're royals, that, ha- that has happened loads to people in that generation where they've been kind of pushed together because of an unwanted pregnancy or, you know, because of um, families, you know, think that they're, you know, good options for them or whatever. Um, and yeah, I do, I do feel sorry for everyone in, involved really, but um, you know how I feel about the press. I, I think that there has been a huge lack of accountability um, even up until this day. And I think that someone needs to be made an example of really because well, forgery maybe, yeah. and, you know, fraud like that, it's just, that can't be allowed to, they can't be tools for manipulation any longer. Well, that's just maybe where we can broaden out this, this conversation into wider implications. Because um, it's, it, it's, it's a bit of a balance, isn't it, Ben? Uh, you know, on the one hand, you, 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 you want, the press to behave in an upstanding way. But on the other hand, it's not easy to get these sort of stories, is it, without sometimes bending the rules? Yeah, well, yeah. that's what I was going to say. The journalist industry is so competitive. It just it requires of people almost to do the, the most, like, the horrible things in order to 
further their career, which is and many many times the wrong thing, uh, the wrong things. And I don't know what this solution is because you'd hope that people would have some sort of boundary of this is wrong. I can't do this in order to further my career. But at the end of the day, people are, people are going to look after themselves more um, above anything else. But also there's a public interest, um, there's public interest in, in getting these stories into the uh, public domain, isn't there? Uh, yeah, yeah, of, of course. And But I don't, I, I don't know if the, um, I don't know if the blame can be held at the, at the public at large for, for clicking on it almost, because it's in human nature, curiosity is a human nature to want to... To what, to you're want to you're a busy more. girl. <laughs> she's a busy girl. She's in, she's in demand. My phone never goes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's actually not someone calling me. It's all of my alarms to remind me to do things. Oh, uh, okay. All right. <laughs> I, I apologize for stopping water. me. Anyway, Ben, you're in a bucket of water. Okay, good. Ben, you were saying? Uh, well, I was just, it, it's in public's nature. Curiosity is a very human attribute you want to know more you want to no know. no but that's not quite what i meant uh, okay. uh so I, I was thinking sort of more along the lines of edward snowden um who clearly broke the law um in releasing state secrets uh american state secrets but it, he he did so and in doing so it emerged that you know the americans were up to all kinds of bad acting you know in 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 the sense of um you know bugging the phones of bugging the communications of leading politicians in europe and that sort of thing yeah but wow. well, I, I i do think that there's there's a, a quite large disparity between like war crimes and and and, and things that a magazine. whole organization do than someone's private relationship with someone else um but, yeah, but don't, so but don't, don't, but don't we have a right? So if our, if our royal family is, is, you know, that's that's held up as, you know, well, first of all, it's heavily supported by the people's finances. Uh, don't we have a right to know if 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 things are, you know, if if a young woman is being maltreated? um you know as she was, you know, a woman's a woman's a young woman's life was pretty much ruined or well, was ruined yeah I, I and i i agree with that but i also doing my doing my research and and listening to what people said it's very clear that she was going to say these things anyways to someone uh, um there was I, I can't remember who said it um someone who it, it did a book with uh, princess diana said that there was literally andrew a line, morton i believe isn't it? i think he, yeah, there, yeah there was a long line of of people who are queuing to get um uh, princess diana's like an interview but I, it's just the way we go about it obviously and uh, the the way that this interview was got was was obtained is was fraudulent as you said so i we have a right to know but you can still go about it in the in the right way is what, what I'm, I, I don't saying. think i don't think there's any doubt that i think all three of us would probably agree but we'll ask little tone in a minute that what bashir did was wrong 
Um, he seems to be saying that he regrets it, uh, but he's saying, well, it, it didn't really matter because she, like you're saying, it didn't really matter because she would have sat down with me and said these things anyway. I think I have some sympathy with that. I think she probably would have done. But then that begs the question, why the hell did he do it then? Yeah, that, that's, that's what side I lean, I lean towards. Because um, he went to some pretty, you know, extreme lengths, you know, getting a graphic designer to, uh, to mock up uh, false bank statements. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't even know what that graphic designer was thinking, frankly. But he, it, was, it, he was blacklisted from the BBC, is what I read shortly after this. Um, but, and yet Bashir was rehired mm, <laughs> as, the yeah. as the religious correspondent after a thorough investigation. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it, what was I saying? I've I lost my, I've lost my thread slightly there. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know what the, I don't know what the graphic designer was thinking, but, uh, but it, he, he was the one that shopped Bashir. The graphic designer came forward and shopped him mm. because he was worried that he was going to be the full guy. And almost sealed sealed his own fate with that probably so yeah what do you think little tone oh are you there we seem to have lost her, you lost her? yes i agree oh okay <laughs> why does your video keep going on we just keep getting your name um but but what do you think uh what do you think? Do you think that he should be? Do you think he should be charged with a crime? Uh, who, who are you asking? Bashir, I'm asking. Oh, that's a good question. I can't really ask Little Tone because her video keeps going off and on, so I don't know why it's going on in Hastings. Can you hear me? Yeah, can I can you hear. hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, but you keep going. You keep disappearing. So Ben, I'm going to ask you. So, do you think do you think he should be charged, um, prosecuted? I mean, it, it's hard to say because I don't. I I would assume that um, that what he did was was very much illegal, and if, if it was, then then yes, I believe anyone doing anything illegal should be prosecuted for it, no matter uh, if, even if it was however many what was it over twenty years ago now. Um, but yeah, I believe, yeah, he should be prosecuted. The first time round, the, the police had a look at it and they came to the conclusion that, that it, was, it wasn't appropriate uh, to charge him, uh, bring criminal proceedings against him. Um, but I think, as I say, I think it would be, it, I, it, I'll be surprised if they don't make a different decision this time. Yeah, I, I believe I read that the, um, the first investigation was called was called woefully ineffective by the current inqu inquiry that was, that's going ahead. Yeah, and uh, and there are two elements to this. There's the there's the fraud, which which is of obviously creating the false um, the false bank statements. And the second um, element is that he gained what's called pecuniary advantage. In other words, gaining a financial advantage, a career advantage as you rightly said, Ben, um, through this deception, through this fraud. So I, I think that those two things together um, 
are I don't think he can have a defence to uh, that I can see. So I, I would have thought that um, I would have thought that there will be a criminal there will be criminal proceedings. But does it, so what is your think the, the thing that's really interesting, Ben, because we started off this episode, we, we drew attention to the fact, obviously, I mean, you weren't even alive, were you, at any, uh, no. any, any of this stage? What year were you born? Uh, 2002. Yeah, so you're well outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well um, outside it. So, you know, it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Uh, um, my, my, my experience with... Um, princess diana and and the death of her really it's almost like um 9-11 which i also wasn't born for it's just referred to as that event almost yes. and people rem- like talk about how they remember where they were when they heard the news very much in the same areas as, as 9-11 yeah. um and that's my been my only real experience um of it because it happened so long ago now um uh, so I don't really, I don't remember, I have no sort of memories on how she was loved, like what her uh, mannerisms were, as, as Tony said. But what I was going to ask you is what, how do you, because I, I was listening to some um, statistics that, or uh, reviewing some statistics today, and it, it looks as though people of your age are moving against the idea of a monarchy and more in a direction of wanting an elected head of state, which is something I personally believe in. Uh, how, how does it make you feel? How do, oh, what, rather, not just you, but your, you and your peers. Um, I think the, the difference with our peers is that we're just generally uninterested in the royal family, I think, um, yeah, you said that. I think you said that before. On yeah, the... there's just, I, I think there's indifference rather than sort of maybe hatred or dislike, just mm-hmm. just pure indifference. To, but, um, and so we, and I think the young people look at how much uh, tax money and how, how much they they own and, and stuff like that and, and combined with the indifference go, well, what's the point? Um and, that, I, and I believe that leads us to, as you say, um, want preferring an elected head of state. Okay, so I want to I want to change gears now um, and uh, bring up bring bring up a topic which you and I discussed a little bit off air, but which is also very much in the news at the moment, and that is the uh, the hell hath no fury like a political aid scorned. And I'm referring, of course, to Dominic Cummings, who gave evidence yesterday um, to um, a parliamentary select committee um, and in which he called, uh, he, he said that Boris Johnson and the health secretary, Matt Hancock, were not fit to be in their roles um, because of their handling and their deceit, uh, I think he put it. Certainly Matt Hancock, he regarded as being deceitful about the uh, pandemic, not being straight with the people, lying to the people, you know, I mean, it goes, it goes on and on. Uh, but I'm, the pandemic is something you have lived through completely um, and, has, and has very much touched you personally, affected your life. Unfortunately, you haven't lost anyone, I don't think, in your, in your 
family, but but uh, you have been touched in the sense that you've been confined to your home, as we all have. Your studies have been affected um, at a very, very important time in your life. So hearing all this, I mean, how does it make you feel? Um, well, well, first of all, I just want to bring your attention to the fact that, um, that uh, Tony's back. Uh, I believe in the chat <laughs> just before, just so you don't uh, completely oh, okay. ignore well, for the rest of the recording. Okay, well, before, <laughs> before you answer my question then, mm. thank you. You're always so diplomatic, Ben. No problem. Gracious. Um, before, we, before you answer that question, it'll give you a moment to think a little bit about it. Little Tone, um, on our original subject of... Um, or, you know, of Bashir. Have you got anything to add? Uh, just that I think he should be held uh, accountable for his coercion and also the financial gain that he made out of, um, yeah, manipulating her into that position. So it seems I think that... that he should uh, be, you know, fined or, yeah, do some sort of time. <laughs> So it would seem. Don't really know. I don't know what the punishment should be, but I do. I definitely think he should be held accountable, and I think probably with the harshest sentence, so that it's, um, you know, he's an example to other journalists. Okay, well, that would be, I think, something like up to seven years in prison. So, uh, I, so uh, I think we've we've done that. So now I'm going to come on to Dominic Cummings, and I'm going to. So if you if you remember my question, my rather long, unlettered question, Ben, uh, have you got an answer for me? Um, well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't surprise me what uh, Dominic Cummings is, is saying. I think as soon as um, lockdown started, we, we knew that the government. Well, I knew that the government. Maybe it's just my cynical nature, but I knew that the government were mishandling the situation. Mm. Um, so, what what he's saying doesn't surprise me. Although I do think it should be held. Uh, it should held with a pinch of salt at the moment until like evidence come is comes to fruition just because obviously as a disgraced um politician with with nothing to lose he, he might uh be hyperbolic and uh and lie about what everything the government was doing just because of his bitterness towards um matt hancock and boris johnson but it, again it doesn't surprise me so if they were true then Again, uh, I just I just think I'm unsurprised. <laughs> okay, well you know you said you said some very wise things there. What do you think, Little Tone? You you of the left wing, you of the extreme left wing. You must be very you must be having parties at the moment, celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Down That's with it. the Tories. <laughs> <laughs> Hang them. No, I'm joking. That's too far. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I I started listening to Dominic Cummings' um, BS yesterday, and I was just like, I just I just don't believe anything that comes out of your mouth. But I feel the same way about Hancock. You know, every time either of them are asked any questions, they just talk about how great they are. I'm like, I just don't feel like that's a good way to. I don't, uh, I, I, I don't feel the same way actually. Uh, I uh, first of all, I find. Well, hang on a minute. Dominic Cummings must be a Tory. I, I don't like Dominic Cummings. I, I don't take to him. I never have done. Um, I, he's I a think, weasel. I think he's a very unlikable person, and it seems to me very, very clear 
uh, or that it, that he is a you know as I said a, a a political aide scorned. He's out for revenge, and he he wields his machete, um, you know, without without much um, substance to what he's saying. I don't think. I mean, you know, as Ben I think pointed out, you know, where's the evidence? I mean, just caught just bald face. I mean, I, I don't know whether I heard just a little snippet, but I mean, I heard many times him say that, you know, Matt Hancock lied, Matt Hancock. Well, okay, if he lied, tell us what lie he told and provide the evidence that supports that assertion. Well, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's there, maybe it's there but I, I, all I've heard is the, the accusation that someone's a liar. Well, you hear that accusation all the time. Lies are not, you know, just because somebody says something that you don't agree with, it doesn't make it a lie. And Matt Hancock... His career's over anyway. Yes, I don't think anyone's likely to employ him again, um, unless they need their head read. But but Matt Hancock does, although Matt Hancock does come over as somewhat incompetent, um, he comes over to me as sincere. Uh, I, I don't know whether you have a different view, but I, I, he doesn't come over to me as insincere. Um and uh, I, I get I, I get emotion from him, something I never get from Dominic Cummings. I you know I see emotion in his eyes when he's talking about deaths and when he's talking about saving lives. I don't get that. I also see that with Boris. I I, I believe he was deeply affected. I mean, I've even heard it said that it was made up that he got COVID. I mean, good God, these tin hat brigade people with their conspiracy theories. You know, it, it, I, I believe he was deeply affected when he got COVID. And I think it, it, I think it made a big difference to the, the way he reacted. To, to, I think it changed him. Anyway. I assume you don't believe the quote that's been accused of Boris Johnson, let the bodies pile high. Is, uh... you, know, you know what, Ben? I, it, it's, a, it's a really good question, and I don't know what to say on that. Um, uh, but when I'm running my business... Okay, and I'm having private meetings with members of my team. I will say say things sometimes that I probably shouldn't say. They may be said in jest. Uh, they may be said for emphasis, you know, for entertainment value sometimes. But I don't expect members of my team to go out and talk to the media and say, well, he said this, you know, on that, this particular day. You know, I, I think you've got to be able to have with members of your team conversations that they keep confidential you know and i think that that is a really bad mark against dominic cummings for you know as you say who's going to employ him again yeah yeah uh, but but you know i mean it, yeah but it, equally on. i mean i think that they've all said and done really silly things boris hancock and um cummings you know um and I don't think that the things that have come out of their mouths are, are appropriate for people that are in power. Um, and I think that there's a lesson to be learned for all of them. I think, Do I think Dominic Cummings is a proper weasel. Like he's out for himself. He's power hungry. But I think that it was a real error that Boris thought um, uh, that Boris had him as his like, you know, next, you know, I don't know what you call him, you he's know, next in command or whatever. Well, he wasn't in command, but he was certainly his, his right-hand no, man. Was, he, everyone called him, the, you know, he was saying that they, he was the puppeteer, you know, and that John, Johnson was the puppet. Like, he was the one with all the ideas and, 
everything like that. Well, that's what they say in the in the radical left. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, I think that it, it says a lot, you know, it says a lot about Johnson that he had a man like that working with him. Um, his true colours are showing now, but I bet, I bet Boris feels a bit of a fool for employing him in the first place. Boris is a bit of a bumbling fool, but, uh, you know, that to me sort of put, it puts him across, uh, portrays him as somebody human. You know, he's not somebody he, who has got every answer for everything and he is, he is a bit bumbly and, and so on. But then I, I find that quite endearing, really. Um, but maybe I'm blinded by love. (laughs) 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 Anyway, we've come to the end of our episode. So this has been uh, a metaphorical discussion around a family dining table. Uh, So don't take it too seriously, dear listeners, but uh, uh, we we would love to hear your perspectives on, on these things. People have different views and that's, you know, part of the interesting thing about life we don't all have to agree on things all the time um and uh, when we're around a dining room table we may say things that uh, perhaps we shouldn't have said rather like boris perhaps did <laughs> anyway thank it's great to have you back uh, ben and uh, good on you with your exams it sounds like uh, you're pleased with the with uh, your performance there so yeah, thank um, you i'm glad to be back um so that's great um that's I'm sure there'll be things for us to discuss next week. Thanks, Little Tone. I don't know where your camera... We can't see your beautiful face, which is definitely a disadvantage. Um, We just keep keep being reminded of your double-barreled last name. Um, But uh, thank you both very much. And uh, we shall uh, no doubt meet again in a few days' time to discuss another exciting uh, topic. So until then, it's uh, goodbye from me. Good night for me. I don't think that those are words. Goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye from me. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Bye. for now. Bye.